What's going on at 1130? How are you guys doing today? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, can we also give it up for all of our family that's watching with us online here today? Man, we love you guys. So glad you're joining us online. And uh, man, I'm excited about what God is doing at our upcoming launch of our Lighthouse Point location. If you weren't here last week, we, we made some, some big announcements about some dates that are happening for Lighthouse Point. In fact, they're gonna put them up here. In fact, tonight, there is a vision night for those of you that maybe live on the east side of town that are thinking, man, I, I would maybe like to be a part of that. We're gonna have a vision night actually at our Lighthouse Point location tonight, sharing with you what it's gonna be, what it's gonna be like and how you can get involved and be a part of the dream team to make the launch of that location happen. Also, we have some team nights going up. And then on January 9th, we have our grand opening over there. And we're so excited about what God's going to do with that. Yeah, that's something to cheer about. Listen, if you're interested or maybe you're watching online and you want more information, you can actually text LHP to that phone number right there and uh, somebody will get in contact with you. And what is amazing about all of this, everything that's happening at Lighthouse Point, uh, everything that we're doing there is already paid for. Like because of your generosity, we are able to invest over like $1.1 million dollars this year into that facility to be able to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, know, and follow Jesus because of what you've done in past legacy offerings. We're able to do things like this. And I can't wait to share with you coming up in the next couple of weeks about what this legacy offering December 4th and 5th is going to allow us to do in this coming year to make an impact in our local communities for the name of Jesus because that's what it's all about. It's about making Jesus's name more relevant and prevalent everywhere that people are in this life. And so, man, I'm excited about that. So be praying about how God would want you to be a part of being generous on that weekend to make a difference in the kingdom of God. And, and so let me dive into this week because we have been in a series over the last six weeks called The Fight of Your Life. And we've been talking about this thing called spiritual warfare. And we've been studying a passage of scripture out of Ephesians chapter six. And we've been going verse by verse because here's what I know is that as I've talked to a lot of you guys, as you've come in and out of service, you've realized that, man, there is a war that is going on in your life. And, and the problem in life isn't your mother-in-law. The battle isn't with your boss. The battle isn't with your spouse. There is actually a spiritual war that is going on. And there is a real enemy that is out there that is not the enemy that we see with our eyes, but is actually a, 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 a spiritual enemy that's trying to steal kill and destroy your life. And so we've been going verse by verse out of Ephesians chapter six, learning how we can actually live a victorious life. And so if you want to take out your worship gods and get ready to dive in, we're going to start in, in, in verse 13. But let me give you some background of what's happening. The apostle Paul is writing this to the church in Ephesus. And he is actually, while he's writing this, he is in a Roman prison sitting there writing this letter. And, and let me tell you why this is important. The reason this is important is because still 2,000 years later, we're still evaluating that letter. We're still studying that letter. We're still learning from that letter. And it lets me know this lesson that your darkest days can actually be some of your most beneficial days. 
Listen, it might be painful right now, but it can be productive. So I don't know what you're going through or how dark it may seem. Maybe, just maybe, that in the middle of your prison, God is trying to produce something in your life that is going to bear fruit later on in your life. And so don't give up in this moment. Take advantage of it. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 13, it says this. Therefore, put on the full armor of God... So that when the day of evil comes, and some of you guys right now, you feel like you're in that day of evil, like evil is all around you. And he says, so you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of Peace. And we talked about peace last week. If you missed last week's message, I encourage you to go back online and watch it. But we talked about the fact that we are to experience not just peace in our own lives so that we can have peace in every anxious, every difficult, every hard moment, but so that we can actually walk into difficult situations and bring peace into those moments as well. So like we're to have this peace. He says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So I want to talk to you guys today about the shield of faith. And, and I learned about the shield of faith, and I learned about shields when I was 19 years old. When I was 19 years old, I was living in this little place called Garden Valley, Texas. Anybody ever heard of Garden Valley, Texas? One person, okay, one per you're the first person in any service. It's actually her, it's a podunk town in, in the outskirts of, of, of the Dallas suburbs. It's, it's actually, it, 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 that doesn't matter. But this one weekend, <laughs> I was on, I was going to the Dallas Metroplex because on a Sunday morning, uh, T.D. Jakes was gonna be preaching at the Potter's house there in Dallas. And so I drove up and I was on what they would call the loop, which is a big interstate that goes all the way around uh, the Dallas Metroplex. And so I was on the loop and as I was driving, there was a car ahead of me that was an older vehicle. And back in the day, uh, before there were sunroofs, they had these glass roofs where there was a latch where you could kind of latch it up and it would become like, uh, kind of like, like an air vent. Do any of you guys remember those days like back in the day? Come on, raise your hand if you remember those days. I wanna see all the, the older people in the congregation. Okay, there's, there's not very many of us. Uh, and so this guy in front of me, apparently he went to unlatch his to kind of raise it up. But not only did it raise it up, but when the wind hit it, it ripped it off of its car. And so we're driving on the interstate at 70. I might have been driving at 90. Like we're driving and, and all of a sudden this guy's glass kind of moonroof thing comes flying out and it's just end over end and you're and I'm driving right behind him and it's one of those moments where you you have this conversation in your head like oh my gosh is that that guy's moonroof coming at me is that gonna decon that word <laughs> is that gonna decapitate my head like am, am I about to die right now and and like I'm just frozen in that moment and I just kind of brace myself to get hit by this thing and I just I'll push the pedal down a little bit faster and this thing actually comes and it hits my windshield and it hits the roof of my car and it shatters and it shatters my windshield but it protected me like that is the moment that I had this appreciation for shields in life. 
And Paul right here is, he's talking about the armor that we need to have when the enemy comes and attacks our lives. And he says, hey, the next thing that you're going to need to have is you're going to need to have this thing called a shield. And uh, the shield in that day did not look anything like this. Uh, this is like the, the, the best my assistant could do this week. And it's kind of <laughs> pathetic. Uh, but... It works. You get the visualization. Uh, but the shield was actually didn't look anything like this. It would actually be about two and a half feet wide by about four foot tall. So the shield that the Roman centurion would be carrying would be this massive shield so that when an enemy were to throw a rock or throw a projectile or, or launch an arrow at it, that the Roman centurion could actually duck behind the shield and be protected in that moment, the solution to the enemy's attack was actually the shield. I wrote it down in your notes like this. The shield is the first line of protection against the attacks of the enemy. And this is important because the shield back in the day was made from a couple of pieces of plywood that were glued together. They would wrap it with fabric. And uh, then what they would do is as they were getting ready to go into battle is they would actually dip the shield in water because during that period of time, archaeologists have actually discovered that most of the warfare was done with arrows and spears that they would light on fire and they would launch into the enemy. And when it would hit, there would be explosions and all those things. And so the shield with the fabric that was wet would actually protect them from the explosions that would happen from the attacks of the enemy. And I want you to know that right now, if you're out there today and you feel like you're getting attacked from every side, you feel like there is fire coming at you that there is something that you need in your life and it's actually a shield that you need that can protect you against those moments and the bible says that it isn't just any average shield we talked about it the first week that we said we need the the belt of truth the second week we talked about we need the breastplate of righteousness the third week we talked about we need the shoes of peace he says listen there's something you're going to need in your life and it's this it's a shield but the shield that we need is this word called faith Write it down. It's this word called faith in your life. And faith is one of those words that is, is a difficult word to preach on because so many different definitions are out there for faith. So if I were to ask you what is faith, you would all give me a different definition. So we're not going to go with your definition or the world's definition. We're actually going to go with a biblical definition today. And the Bible defines it as this in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, now faith is confidence. If you, if you take notes in your Bible, you circle things, circle the word confidence. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance. There's another word to circle about what we do not see. It's confidence and it's assurance. It's confidence and it's assurance. Now, I'm not here to present to you today how to have faith because here's what I know about every single one of you. Every single person in this room has faith. You have faith, you have faith, you have faith, you have faith. All of us in here have faith. I would just submit to you that most of us have faith in the wrong things. Like all of us have faith. We just have faith in the wrong things. Let me, let me explain. How many of you guys have been to a, a local fair ever before? Come on, raise your hands if you've ever been to a local fair. Come on, raise them up. I know more of you have been to local fairs. Now. Raise them up high. It's okay, you can do it. Okay, so the majority of you have been to a local fair. Here's what I know. Have you ever seen the people that run local fairs? <laughs> have you seen the vehicles they bring those rods on? You have faith 
<laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, fair food is good, but like, seriously. You have faith, you just have faith in the wrong things. And so we're not talking about that kind of faith. What we're talking about is biblical faith, and it's different than the faith of the world. Faith is, the Greek word for faith is actually the word pistis. And it appears 240 times in the New Testament. It actually means acting on truth. It's making a decision to say, I know what truth is because I've wrapped truth around my wife, my life. And, and the truth is, is the truth is, is what is God's opinion on this? What does God say about this? What does God's word say about this? And when the attacks of the enemy come, what I can do is I can hold up truth and truth will actually protect me from the attacks of the enemy. Now, this is important because a lot of us, we think faith is a lot of different things. Let me tell you what faith is not. Faith is not feelings. And a lot of us get this confused because we get this idea of, of faith as I was in the room and wow, or there are so many good vibes here at Coastal and, 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 and did you feel that? But that is not what faith is because here's what I've learned. If you feel your way into something, it's so easy to feel your way right out of it. That's why, that's why you don't go by, man, I just, I, just, I just fell in love. You know what? If you fell into love, you'll fall right out of it too. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be more. It, it's got to be more than emotions. And, and here's the problem. So many of us are living by emotions, and we wonder why our life is an emotional roller coaster because you're not supposed to live by emotions. The Bible says it like this in 2 Corinthians, for we live by faith not by sight. So it's not what you see, it's not even what you feel. A.W. Tozer, the great pastor said this, any faith that must be supported by the evidences of the senses is not real faith. So it isn't show it to me and then I will believe it or, or let me feel it and then I'll trust it. No, no, no. See, faith and feelings are two totally different things. See, I wrote it down in your notes like this. Feelings are circumstantial. I feel happy because this is going on in my life. I feel sad because I just looked at my bank accounts. I feel happy because I'm in a relationship with them. I feel sad because they dumped me. Feelings are circumstantial, but here's the thing about faith. Faith is a choice. So while one is dependent on emotions, the other is dependent on a choice. And we make, despite of our emotions, despite of what's happening around us in our circumstances. And so if you notice in this passage right here, Paul begins to kind of change his verbiage a little bit. It's one of the reasons why we need to read our Bible slowly and realize that every single word matters because throughout the scripture, he said, hey, here's what you need to, you need to put on the belt of truth. Hey, you need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Hey, you need to put on the shoes of peace. And when he's using the word put on, it's actually defined as this. Put on is, means it's always needed in your life. So like we always need truth in our life. We always need righteousness in our life. We always need peace in our life. And so we need to put these things on and not only just put them on, but we need to keep them on in our life. So let me submit it to you like this. You don't put these things on on Sunday and then take them off on Tuesday. These need to be things that we're wearing in our life every single day of our life. So he says, he's using this wording, put these things on. He says, and then there are going to be times that you have these things on because you should never take them off. But then what you need to do is you need to take up 
a shield of faith. And he changes the language right here. And this idea of take up is, is it's this idea of a as needed basis. Because how weird would it be if, if, if I take up my shield, if I always have my shield of faith on, and I'm like, hey, Shayla, let's go on a date. And I spend the entirety of the date with my shield up. Hey, babe, you look awesome. You want to get some coffee? Like, that's weird, isn't it? Because you can't do your life shielded. Like, it's impossible to do life shielded. So what he's saying is he's saying, hey, listen, you're, there are times that you're going to need to take up faith. And the times that you're going to need to take up faith, you're going to always need truth. You're going to always need righteousness. You're going to always need peace. But when you recognize an attack from the enemy, when you're seeing some obstacles that are coming your way, it's in those moments that you need to take up this thing called faith. And here's what faith is, is faith is a protective barrier between us and the attacks of the enemy. So whenever you begin to feel that attack, you have to implement faith in your life. And what will happen is, is that faith will shield you. So I want to talk to us today about some keys to faith that we need to understand and that we need to know as a foundational level. And, and, and I believe that as we do this, by the end of this, we'll be able to walk in victory. So number one, if you're taking notes today, faith must be received. Faith must be received. It must be received because, listen, our default in life is not faith. You know what our default is? It's doubt. Our default operandi is doubt. Our default is, is, did God really say? Can God really use me? Did God really forgive me of my sins? And it's why we need faith in those moments. Now, here's the problem with faith. In order to have faith, you have to receive faith from God. Anybody see the problem with that? Like in order for you to have faith, you have to first get faith from God. So like, how does that work for us then? Because that seems like that is kind of backwards. Here's how it works. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So what that means is that every time you're in an environment hearing about truth, faith is being deposited in your life. And when you hear God's word, what it does is it brings faith to your life so that when you go through difficult situations, all of a sudden you can begin to raise the shield of faith in your life because faith has been deposited in your life. The problem with this, and you need to lean, lean into this, the problem with this is, is that a lot of us, we're listening to the wrong voices. Like, all of our time is spent on Netflix, and we're wondering why faith is not being developed in our life. We're listening to jokers that don't have any idea what our life is like, giving us advice, and we're wondering why faith is not being developed in our life. Listen, I know Oprah's got good ideas, but like, I wouldn't want her life. How many husbands has she had? She's giving you dating advice though, right? Because she's got it figured out. Oh, I know I just stepped on the princesses. <laughs> like we're wondering why we don't have faith, but we're watching YouTube videos all day or Instagram reels. You know what that's producing in our life? Doubt. Doubt, doubt. See, I, I've learned when I listen to trash, I deposit doubt. 
you got to check the voices that are in your life because a lot of us, what we're doing is we're listening to trash and we're wondering why we're experiencing doubt. But here's the good news. When I listen to truth, I begin to deposit faith. See, when I begin to lean into God's word, when I'm listening to him, it's depositing faith into my life. And you have no clue how you're going to need that deposit of faith in your life. Like, you have no idea. Let, let me say it like this. When you're on your way to work in the morning, tomorrow morning, stop listening to talk radio. It's trash. Like, it's not depositing any faith in your life. You know what you need to do instead? You need to put some worship music on and allow some faith to be built up in your life. Why don't you put some sermons on and allow some faith to be built up in your life? Here's a better idea. Why don't you open up your version Bible app and let the spoken word of God be read over your life and let it deposit some faith in your life. Because you first have to receive faith. That's why we say it's so important for you to be in church every single week. Why? Because it's depositing faith in your life. And you have no idea how much you're going to need that faith at some point in your life. Well, you're like, well, teacher, I don't get anything out of the message. Neither do I. Sometimes. It's okay. Because you might not need that message right here. You might not need it today. You might not need it tomorrow. You might not need it 30 days from now. But six months from now, you might need that message in your life. You might need that faith that was deposited then in your soul. You have no idea what it's doing in your life. Parents, this is one of the reasons why every week you should bring your kids to church. Because you have no idea what's happening back there. The faith that's being deposited in your kids' lives. And, and I, I know that you're like, well, my kid doesn't like it. Who cares? They don't like vegetables either, but you give them to them. Right? Like, you don't let them make choices based on what they like. It's what they need. Like you have no idea what's being deposited in your child's heart today that they're going to need five years from now. I'm just telling you. I know you're frustrated and you think they're not learning anything. No, no, no. Their faith is being built up right now. You have no clue the depth of faith that is happening in their life. Isaiah 55, it says, so is my word, this is God speaking, that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You might not see the fruit right now, but I guarantee you there's going to be fruit in your life. Just keep after it. We receive God's word and it makes a difference in our life. So we have to have faith deposited. Number two, faith must grow. So it's been given to us in environments where we've heard it. Now it has to grow. So here comes the crucial question. What do we do with what was deposited? Like, did you put what you heard actually into practice in your life? James chapter 2 verse 17 says this, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is what? It's dead. So it might be deposited in your life, but you know what it's doing? It's dying. So now you have to exercise your faith. You actually have to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And something happens when you begin to learn to exercise your faith. I've learned faith is a muscle that either declines or it develops. A lot of you guys are like, well, well, I'm not growing. What are you doing with your faith? Like, how are you putting this stuff into practice? Like, the things that you apply in your life, you begin to grow in. 
couple of months ago, I, I started going back to the gym regularly, and, uh, and I go to a CrossFit box, and, and I remember the first week that I went back uh, to the gym, I, I, they, they had a prescribed workout, and there's always certain weights for the prescribed workout. I remember putting those weights on there and, and trying to pick up these dumbbells that were the prescribed weight, and I, like, I couldn't do it. I was like, this is embarrassing. Like, I should be able to do the prescribed weight, and so what they make you do is they make you scale down, and I thought, man, this is embarrassing. They're like lifting 100-pound dumbbells, and I'm over here with 10s. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how embarrassing is this? And we're like doing a snatch where you pick it up, and you, you throw it up here, and so I've got these 10s, and I'm doing these snatches, and I'm like, why am I getting tired with 10 pounds? Like, why is my body starting to hurt? Like, why am I sore at the end of this? I was like, I was like, this should not be the case. But here's what I learned. I went back a week later and we had the same exercise to do. And what was hard and difficult the first day, all of a sudden became easier the next week. Why? Because I was exercising my muscles. Our faith is a muscle that must be exercised in our life. It's like, do you, do you remember when you first started to try to do push-ups? Everybody, everybody knows this. The initial push-up position that you start in is what I call the girl push-up with your knees on the ground. Some of you are like, I hate you right now. But here's the deal. When you, if you've never done push-ups and you start, this is where you start and you're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is so hard, it's so hard. Oh, I'm just gonna take a break down here. <laughs> Resting time. You're like, oh, oh, you're pushing up. And you're like, this is, uh, oh, why, why, why is this so tough? It's so hard. It's so hard. And, and what was initially hard over time, what does it do? It becomes easier. And this is what I know. Some of you guys have been following God for the last year and you've been getting up every morning. You've been doing a quiet time for 10 minutes. You're like, man, this is so easy. Well, you know what time it is then? It's time for you to stretch your faith a little bit and move from 10 minutes to 15 minutes. Why? Because you should be getting stronger. If it's easier, you got to up the game a little bit. It's why if it's easy for you to give that percentage, maybe it's time for you to up a percentage. Oh, no, not a lot of amens right there. But here's what I know is, is as you grow, you go from doing push-ups on your knees to all of a sudden you're doing normal push-ups and then you go a little bit harder. You do some diamond push-ups and then pretty soon you do one-handed push-ups. You move it all the way up and you're, you get stronger. Some of y'all just thought it was a bunch of fat under here. No, I can actually do some push-ups. But here's what I know. The difficulties that you're going through right now, those things that the enemy is sending your way, you think that they're hard, but what they're doing right now is they're actually making you stronger in your life. Because what you're going through today, if you would have gone through it two years ago, it would have crushed your life. But what's happened is, is you've gotten stronger, you've gotten fitter, you've gotten more faith-filled in the process which is what God is trying to do in your life. And I'm just here to encourage somebody all around South Florida, man, that you are stronger than you realize you are. And you need to, you need to start pushing in and exerting some strength. You start challenging yourself. You need to start growing a little bit because God is making you. He's developing those muscles that are in your life because he has something bigger for your life. 2 Thessalonians says this, we ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing, what, more and more. I love that, because you have to flex those faith muscles in life. Sometimes that means some stretching. Sometimes that means some breaking down. 
That's why you're never going to live in comfort here if you come to church at Coastal. We're going to constantly be pushing you because the goal is not comfort. The goal is for you to get bigger and better and stronger in your faith every single day. I mean, do you remember the first time that, that you, you were following God and you're at work and God's like, hey, you can go pray for that coworker and you're like, what, God? Like, I struggle just praying for myself, and you want me to go pray for a co I don't, I don't even know what I, I, don't even know what I say. I, like, wait, am I supposed to quote a scripture? How do, how do I even begin that conversation? And eventually, you muster up the courage to go and do that prayer. And, and what was so hard the first time, the next time God says, hey, I need you to go pray for your coworker, you're like, oh, okay. Why? Because you began to exercise your faith. The muscle grew. The first time you gave, I remember when God challenged Shayla and I to start giving 20 years ago. We were broke and in debt. And I was like, God, you, you, you want me to give? She's going to make me broker. I don't understand how this is going to work. It was so difficult. And now we're in seasons like we are right now with legacy where we've been, for 20 years we've been challenging ourselves to give more and do more and accomplish more through the things that God has given to us. And the numbers that God gives us today to give would have crushed us 20 years ago. But what? We've developed our faith muscle when it comes to generosity. Listen, it's not to break you. God's trying to build you right now. He's trying to make you into the man or the woman or the student that he's called you to be. So here's the question. When is the last time you exercised your faith? When's the last time you exercised your faith? When's the last time you stepped out and invited that friend to church? When's the last time you went out and served somebody else? When's the last time you gave generously? When's the last time you really stretched yourself? Well, that's uncomfortable. Again, God's not trying to make you comfortable. He's trying to make you better. So faith is received. Faith must be, must grow. And number three, faith must be activated. Has to be activated. So receive faith. You exercise your faith. And the exercising of your faith isn't so that you can go, hey, look at me. I'm a faith-filled individual. Like it isn't so you can just show off your faith physique. It's so you can actually utilize your faith to make a difference in this world. And so I want to teach you a couple things that I've learned in, in my life about how do we activate our faith against the enemy's attacks in our lives. And so a couple things. I activate my faith by speaking God's word. That's how you activate your faith, by speaking God's word. So whenever I'm under attack, whenever my family's under attack, whenever the church is under attack, whenever my son's under attack, you know what I do? I attack back with God's word. I think about Jesus when he was in the 40 days of prayer and fasting. The enemy came to him to attack him. Every time the enemy came with an attack, Jesus responded with, as it is written. And so I figured if Jesus' response to the enemy was scripture, then my response to the enemy should be scripture. And you know what that means for you? Your response to the enemy should be scripture. So when you're under attack, you need to go back to what God says. Second Corinthians says, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken since we have the same spirit of faith we also believe therefore we speak i believe therefore i speak this is so crucial don't just have faith speak faith 
So your family's going through some things. You know what you go? You go, you know what? I've got a shield. It's Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, you know what we're going to do? We're going to serve the Lord. When your children are getting wayward, you know what? i got a shield. You know what it says? It's Proverbs 22, 6. Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they're old, and I don't know what old is. It could be 22, 42, 102. It says, they will not turn from it. It's a shield that I have. When my marriage is struggling, when I don't know if I'm going to make it, I quote, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 being confident in this that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus I stand on that when you get diagnosed with that diagnosis that you're not going to make it cancer has it and you go no 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 Isaiah 53 5 says it, it was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed when anxiety and depression set in your life, you go, no, 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 I got a shield. In Matthew 6, Jesus said it like this, look at the birds of the air. Like, check them out. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable? Have any of you guys, like, just checked your worth lately? The reason you're anxious, the way, reason you're afraid, the reason you're overwhelmed is because you're finding value in the wrong places. But there is a God that actually cares for you. Amen. He says, man, if you'll get your focus off that, who of you by worrying could add a single hour of your life? Change everything about your life. Well, TJ, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't, but here's what I know. Isaiah tells me, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But TJ, you don't don't understand the sin is so overwhelming. Well, but thanks be to God, he gives us victory in Christ Jesus. Well, the the, the temptation is too great. Well, I'm so thankful that no temptation has overcome you what is common to man. But God is faithful. So some of us need to recognize that when you speak out, what it does is it begins to raise a shield of faith. You begin to thwart the enemy's attacks on your life and it can't get through. I also activate my faith by surrounding myself with people of faith. Because I want to live this way. I want to live a faith-filled life. But you know what? There's moments where, where I don't feel very faith-filled. I actually feel pretty faith-depleted. You know what I do in those moments? I call up my friends. And I say, hey, here's what's going on. Will you, will you stand with me? Will you believe with me? Will you, will you give me some of your faith in my faithless life so I can have faith again? And here's what I've learned about faith. Faith is contagious. You get around some people of faith, all of a sudden you become more faith-filled in your life. And it's an important element. In fact, one of the interesting things about the Roman centurions and the Roman army of that day is they were the most powerful nation on the planet because they had a tactic of how they would go and defeat enemies. And in fact, when they would go and they were taking ground and they were, they were going up against an attack of the enemy, what they would do is a Roman centurion, he would come and he would get his shield and he would stand behind it. The next guy next to him would come and bring his shield, put it right next to him. The next guy would put his shield right here, right here, right here. And then the, all the guys behind him would come up and put their shields over top. They actually called it the turtle formation and this is what it looks like so what would happen is the enemy would come attack they would get fortified because they knew that together they were stronger together they were better together they could take ground together they could not be defeated and what they would do is they would go and conquer everybody and so what that tells me for a lot of us is that christianity is not a solo sport 
And some of you guys, you're trying to do this alone and you're wondering why you're getting your butt kicked every single day of the week. It's because you were never meant to do this life alone. You were always meant to do it together with other people. You were meant to do life together with one another. It's why we tell you all the time, get in a group, get in next step, go serve on a team, get around some people that will fortify you and strengthen you and hold you up in the middle of your battle. And some of us need to realize that we were not meant to do this. It's why we have a value. We do life together. It's not just some cool saying. It's because we know it's the only way we can have a formation where we can take back what the enemy has already stolen. Finally, I activate my faith by keeping my eyes on Jesus. Keeping my eyes on Jesus because in the world we live in, in the culture that we live in, it's so easy to have our focus on the arrow. It's so easy to have our focus on the obstacle or the problem. And so what the enemy does is he cocks back and he releases that arrow. And, and here's how we live. Oh my gosh, there's an arrow. Do you guys all see the arrow? The arrow is over. What are we going to do about the arrow, the arrow, the arrow? And, and we just watch the arrow as it comes and it just plants right into us and takes us out. And some of us, we've spent way too much time fixated on the arrow that has been attacking our life. Wow, it's flaming. Wow, it's big. Wow, it's whatever. Instead of fixing our eyes on the arrow, we need to start to raise our shield of faith. Instead of fixing our eyes on the arrow, we need to fix our eyes on the solution to the arrow. His name is Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. So what we need to do in the middle of the battle is we need to stop fixing on the situations that are around us and start fixing our eyes on him. In 1996, the Summer Olympics were in Atlanta, Georgia. And it was the final day of the women's gymnastics team competition. The Americans had never won the gold medal in the Olympics up to this point in women's team gymnastics. Russia or Romania where the former Soviet Union had always taken the gold. But this year, they had put together a team they called the Magnificent Seven. They thought this would be the year that they would possibly win. And going into the final apparatus they were going to be on, they needed to score really, really well in order to defeat the Russian team. They're leading by a couple of tenths of the point with Russia about to take the floor exercise. And girl after girl on the women's team went and on the vault had a terrible, terrible vault. Terrible vault, terrible vault, terrible vault. Until finally it got down to the last girl that they never thought that they would ever need her score, which is why they put her last. Her name was Carrie Shrub. 
Carrie goes down to attempt one of her first two. She gets two attempts on the vault. She goes to do her first attempt on the vault. If you don't know what the vault is, it's where you run down. You, you jump off the springboard and, and you vault off of a beam, do some flips and like land. That's my description of it. I'm sure a gymnast in here is going to correct me after the service, but that's my description of it. So she runs down to do her first vaults. She hits the spring. She, she goes off the, the, the pole thing. And Nicole, I know you want to correct me right now being a gymnast. Uh, <laughs> it lands and, and actually stumbles in her landing. She doesn't score high enough to, to, to win. But in her landing, she actually has a, a, a third degree sprain of her ankle and tears two ligaments. In fact, when she lands... She almost falls over. She's in so much pain. They actually have to have some trainers come up and help walk her off of, of, of the mat that's up there. All of her teammates are, are, going, are, are crying. They're like, good try, Carrie. Man, we'll get, them, we'll get them four years from now. Like, they're all defeated. They're thinking, like, our chances are over right here, right now. Because Russia, they're the best in the world at the floor exercise. They're going to get the points they need. They're going to win this event. They're going to win the Olympic gold. Our dreams are dashed. In fact, the crowd has gone silent at this point. It's, it's, it's one of those moments where everybody realized the game is over for them. And in the middle of that, her coach at the time, Bella Caroli, walks over to her and he grabs her by the shoulders. And he looks her in the eyes and he says, Carrie... I don't want you to focus on your teammates. I don't want you to focus on the crowd. None of that matters right now. The only thing that matters is, is I believe in you. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to go back down and you're going to do the second vault. And here's what's going to happen is you're going to hit that vault and we're going to win gold. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to pay attention to anything else that's going on. Because when you get down there to that end, I'm going to be all the way at the other end where you're going to land. He's going to be. And I just want you to focus on me. And so she goes down to the end. She's noticeably limping because of the damage to her ankle. She takes off. She runs as fast as she can. She hits the spring. She does the vault. And when she lands, as soon as she lands, her foot comes up like this because now it's throbbing in pain. It's swelling up. She scores a 9.7 and wins the gold for the Olympic team. And I just want to say to somebody that's here or somebody that's watching online, you've been focusing on your brokenness for far too long. You've been focusing on the pain that you've been in, the, the, the difficulties that you've faced, the, the things that have not gone your way for far too long. And it's time for some of you, I'm just giving you a word from God, to fix your eyes back on Jesus. To get your eyes back on the one who controls your situation, not the situation. To get your eyes on the one who can actually get you through this moment in life. And if you'll attempt this thing again, whatever this thing is, I don't know if it's your marriage. I don't know if it's your finances. I don't know if it's that wayward child. I don't know if it's that business idea. But if you'll attempt this thing again and you'll keep your eyes fixed on the one who can fix it all, like you will, not you might be, you will be victorious.
Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, right now, we take our eyes off of what we're going through. The situations that we're facing and we fix our gaze, we fix our attention, we put our focus on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Who is always victorious no matter what we're going through. God, and today what we do is we begin to raise a shield of faith over our situation. And for some of us, it's been difficult. It feels like defeat. It feels like there's no end in sight. But I'm here to remind you that you can experience victory. God, for those of us that don't even have enough faith to believe for ourselves, God, I pray right now that you'll combine our faith with their faith. That they'll have some people that will come around them that will rub some shoulders and lock some arms, God, and be able to lift them out of that situation because that's what the church is for. Turtle formation. We're in this thing together. For those of us that are under attack, we're in the middle of a battle right now. I speak victory over you in the name of Jesus. We fix our eyes and we remember that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so we thank you. And we aren't just conquerors, but we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We raise our shield of faith and we thank you that if you are for us, God, who can actually be against us? God, we will overcome and we will walk in victory. And maybe you're here today and you've never experienced the ultimate gift of faith here today. That's a relationship with your creator. A God that loved you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live a perfect life. The life that you and I could not attain and die a sinner's death. The death that you and I deserved. So that we could experience community with God. So that we can walk in victory in life instead of being defeated. And maybe today you need to experience that for the first time or the first time in a long time. And it begins with a simple yet significant prayer that, that will begin that transformation of your heart from the inside out. If that's you here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, you know what? I need to make a declaration of faith of my love and my devotion to God. If you just slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip those hands up. Yes, one, two, three, four, five. Yes, sir. Somebody over here. Yes, ma'am. Six. I see you back there. Seven. Eight. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Nine. If you'll pray this out loud as I pray, in, if you'll pray this in your heart as I pray out loud, say, God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to pay the ultimate price for me. God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, take over. God, I surrender my will and I surrender my way to you. God, I love you in this place. Fill me with your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your mercy, so that I can follow you all the days of my life. Help me to walk in victory as I follow you and live shielded by my faith and my trust in you. God, I activate my faith today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen.